Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, it is great to be back in Albuquerque again. It's been quite a long time since I've been here. And I want to sort of pick up where that story left off. Uh, Fast forward 10 years. You heard the story of my mom and all the things that happened. And then I came to faith. Well, Oscar Laurie is the man who adopted me. I got my name from him, Oscar. No, Laurie. And um, he was a good man. And I always had a lot of respect for him. And I, I wanted to reconnect with him. So after I'd become a believer, I had an opportunity to speak in New York City at Central Park. And I thought maybe he's still back there in the East Coast somewhere. So there was a girl in our church who worked for the Bar Association. And she found my dad, a practicing attorney, still practicing law in Red Bank, New Jersey. So I called his office before I went to New York and I Uh, asked for him. The secretary answered, law office of Oscar Laurie. And I said, yes, is Mr. Laurie in, please? She said, he's out to lunch right now. Can I ask who's calling? I said, Greg Laurie. And she said, well, how do you spell your last name? (laughs) I said, the same way he spells his. This is his son calling. He called back in about 10 minutes, very excited to hear from me. And, And I said, you know, I'm in town. I'm speaking. I wanted to just have lunch and say hi. It was really my desire to share the gospel with him. He said, oh no, you've got to come spend the weekend with us. And I was reluctant at first and he insisted. So Kathy and I and our son Christopher boarded the plane from New York City, excuse me, train uh, from New York City and arrived in Red Bank where he was living. And he looked so similar to the way I remembered him. And it was almost like a scene from a movie, seeing him again. I discovered that he had had some physical problems. He's 65 years old at this point. He had had a heart attack and had blacked out at the steering wheel of his car and ran into a post and almost had died and uh, was uh, on heavy-duty heart medication. And so that night we sort of caught up uh, on all the time we had missed together. And, and then the next night his wife made us a wonderful Italian meal. And uh, she said, Greg, tell me how you came to become a Christian and then a pastor. And so I began to share my whole story. And I can remember it so clearly. My dad sat on the other end of the table. He had his hands up to his face sort of like this, you know. And suddenly I felt like I was in a court of law. He was the judge. And it wasn't going all that well. He listened. He was a very intelligent man. A very educated man. And so he listened very carefully to everything I said. And I thought, boy, that did not connect with him at all. Uh, That night he said, Greg, I'd like to walk in the morning. Would you walk with me? I have to for my heart. I said, sure. And at this point I was calling him dad again. The next morning he knocks on the door of my room. It's uh, 6 o'clock in the morning, New Jersey time, 3 o'clock California time. I'm groggy. I'm getting out of bed, wiping the sleep from my eyes. And we're walking along. And as the chill of the New Jersey air hits me, my dad says to me, Greg, I listened very carefully to what you said last night. I said, right? And he said, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior right now. So... I wasn't sure if he understood what I'd said the night before. So I went over all of it again. He said, I 
I totally understand, Greg. I want to accept Jesus Christ right now. And I said, well, Dad, what you need to do is pray. We're walking at this point through a park. I said, you need to pray. He drops down to his knees right there where, on the grass. I'm, I wasn't going to get on my knees, but <laughs> since he did, I did too. And we, we prayed together and it was one of the most amazing instantaneous conversions I've ever seen. The Lord gave him 15 more years. He served the Lord with all of his heart and was an elder in his church and worked with the Gideon Bible Society and he died and went to heaven. Well, then there's my mom. She's a tough nut. I told her the story about my dad, her former husband. And she gave the standard Charlene reply. I don't want to talk about it. That's what she always said whenever I raised the subject of spiritual things. I don't want to talk about it. But my mom's once legendary beauty, you can see she was really a Marilyn Monroe look-alike, began to fade and she continued to drink. And one night she was out driving and drinking and almost was killed in an auto accident and her health began to break down. Then soon her kidneys began to fail. She was on dialysis three days a week. And so I felt very led by the Lord, three times a week I should say, and I felt very led by the Lord to have a conversation with her. And so I went over and I sat down and I said, Mom, I want to talk to you about spiritual things. She said, I don't want to talk about it. I said, we're going to talk about it today. See, she was a rebel, but her son was a rebel, so it was sort of, you know. We had a very direct conversation. And much to my surprise, I discovered that my mom was not a non-believer as I thought she had been for most of my life, but she had been raised in the church. She had prayed to accept Jesus as a little girl, but she had been the prodigal daughter running from God. And we had time to talk, and ultimately she prayed and recommitted her life to the Lord and died one month after that. And she's in heaven now. Now it's a funny thing. My mom ran from the church to the world to find answers. And because of the way she raised me, I ran from the world to the church, or more specifically to the Lord. Because I was looking for answers too. And as I look back on my life, it should have been a disaster. You know they say if you're the son of a divorced person, chances are very high you will get divorced. If you've had multiple divorces in your home, chances are very high you will have multiple divorces. If you've come from a home of abuse, you too will have issues with abuse. And I'm happy to say that since my commitment to Christ at the age of 17, I've had no issues with drugs or alcohol. That's all in my past. And I'm happy to say I've been married happily to the same woman for 34 years now. My wife, Kathy. Yeah. The Lord blessed us with two sons, Christopher, our oldest, and uh, Jonathan, our youngest. Christopher was married. Uh, he has a wife named Brittany, a daughter named Stella, our granddaughter that I talk about in just about every sermon I give now, and, uh, and another one on the way due in just a couple of weeks. And, and so here's what I want to say. I don't know what kind of hand you've been dealt in life. I don't know what kind of home you've come from. I don't know what your background is, but I am telling you, Jesus Christ can intervene and change everything. If my life is a testimony to nothing else, it's a testimony to the fact that God can change a person. I was conceived out of wedlock. 
Uh, I wasn't planned, but I was not a mistake. There are no illegitimate children in the eyes of God. When I was still just a, a little babe in the womb, the Lord had a plan for my life and a purpose for me. As the psalmist says in Psalm 139, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So God had a plan for my life. And you know, I'm not angry with my mom today. I loved her. I love her. And I miss her. And I would say quite honestly, in many ways, I think I could have been a better son to her. But uh, the Lord allowed me to go through those things to make me into the man that He wanted me to be, you see. And uh, then later when I became a parent, I wanted to be sort of the opposite of the way I was raised. So I was like a really involved parent. Uh, you might even say that I spoiled my kids. Uh, I think Dr. Dobson is right when he said we are all we all owe our firstborn child an apology. There may be some truth to that. But I wanted to sort of give to my sons what I never had, and especially Christopher, my firstborn. Uh, you know, I would always take him out and buy him toys. And uh, we used to go to Toys R Us. And this is back when Star Wars came out the first time, years ago. It's the 70s. And um, so I would say, Christopher, pick out a, a Star Wars figure for yourself. They had all the little figures of the characters from the film, you know, Obi-Wan Cannoli. cannoli Obi <laughs> that was his Italian brother. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi, Obi-Wan Cannoli. Forget about it. The force is with you. Forget about it. No, but, uh, you know, Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, etc., so I'd say, pick a figure out for yourself, Christopher, or Topher as I called him, his nickname. And uh, so he would look down at the figures for a long time and finally say, Dad, I'm going to get the Han Solo figure. And he'd pull it out. And I'd, while he was looking down there at those figures, I was looking at all of the hardware on the top shelf. The big stuff, you know, the Millennium Falcon, the X-Wing fighter. So I said, oh, you want Han Solo? Yeah, Dad. How about a Millennium Falcon to go with it? <laughs> Dad, you're the best. Yeah, I love you, son. We'd come home. My wife would roll her eyes. Not again. So after a while, when we would go to toy stores, instead of choosing, I'd say, Christopher, pick out a figure for yourself. And he'd say, that's okay. You choose, Dad. <laughs> he came to know that my choices were better than his. But another chapter has been written in my life now. It's not a chapter I would have ever chosen. It's almost as though this story had the back cover ripped off and new pages are being added. My son Christopher that I just talked to you about, age 33, on July 24th of this year was on his way to work. He worked at our church where he did the graphic design and he was killed in an automobile accident. I wish I could tell you that when you become a Christian, you'll never have a tragedy. I wish I could tell you that all your suffering will go away and there won't be pain. But friends, we live in a fallen world. And people get sick. And people die in auto accidents. And Christians get cancer. And we die. This is just the way it is. I don't understand why this happened. It was like time stood still. I couldn't believe 
this was happening to me. As a pastor who has been helping people over the years, and I've walked through many people who've lost children, I thought that I was as close to something like that as one could possibly be. But now being in these shoes, I have to say I didn't have a clue as to what it would be like. It was horrible. In many ways, it's still very, very difficult. But when I heard the news, I said, Lord, we dedicated him to you as a little boy. And I give him back to you. Effectively now, back to my illustration, I'm the little boy in the toy store, not the dad. And I'm saying to God, you choose dad. The Lord chose to take my son home. Why, Greg? I don't know why. Why did that happen? I don't know why. No parent wants to outlive their child, I can tell you that. And if I could trade places with him, or if I could have traded places with him, I would have done it in a heartbeat. But I wasn't given that choice. But God doesn't promise a peace that always gives understanding, but He does promise a peace that passes human understanding. When my son was gone, you see, he left for work, and we didn't know where he was, and they called from the office. I was at home, and they said, where's Christopher? And so I got out my phone, and I texted him, and it was, where are you? Call me. He couldn't call me because he was in heaven. And that is my hope. The Bible says as Christians, we do not sorrow as those that have no hope. We still sorrow. And we still mourn. And don't let anyone ever tell you if you've lost a loved one, you can't mourn because you can and you should. In fact, the depth of our mourning may be greater because we love that much more. The Bible says there is a time for laughing and there's a time to mourn. But at the same time, I'm not as one who has no hope. I know I will see my son again. That's my hope as a follower of Jesus Christ. My son's in heaven, not because he was Greg Laurie's son, but because he was God's son. And Christopher put his faith in Christ. It's a strange thing, really. I I prayed with my father to accept Christ. He's in heaven. I prayed with my mom. She's in heaven. And when my son was a little boy, I prayed with him. And he's in heaven. And one day, if we put our faith in Christ, we will be in heaven again. You know, you look at everything a little bit differently when something like this happens to you. And I would like in just our short time left to think for a moment about one of the most well-known stories in all of the Bible. We call it the parable of the prodigal son. It's Luke chapter 15. I think most of us know the story by heart. But the reason that I look at this story differently now is... It's a story of a father who missed his son. We call it the parable of the prodigal son. The Bible doesn't call it that. You could just as easily call it the parable of the hurt father. Because as the story goes, of course, there's a father who has two sons. And the youngest says to his dad, I'm reading from Luke 15 now, I want my share of your estate now instead of waiting until you die. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings. He took a trip to a a distant land and wasted all of his money on wild living. Then his money ran out and a famine swept over the land and he began to starve and he persuaded a local farmer to hire him to feed his pigs. And then Luke 15, 16. 
The boy became so hungry, even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, and no one gave him anything. In this story that Jesus told, and understand, Christ Himself told this story to show us what God is like. It's hard for us to wrap our mind around God. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. God. Jesus is effectively saying, let me tell you what God is like. God is like a father who misses his son. Now this is not the all-inclusive description of God. For in Luke 15, there are three pictures given to us of God as well as many others in the Bible. But just for the sake of a point, here's a photo of God, a snapshot of God, if you will. God is like a father who misses his son. And you need to know that God longs for fellowship with humanity. He longs for friendship with you. And that father missed his boy when he ran, a home, when he ran away from home. But because he loved him, he gave him the ability to choose. And God longs for fellowship with each of us. He says in Isaiah 118, Let's argue this out, says the Lord. No matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can remove it. I can make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Even if you are as stained as red as crimson, I can make you as white and wool as wool. You see, going back to the Garden of Eden, here's Adam, the friend of God, who eats of the forbidden fruit, and he's hiding. And we read that the Lord was calling out, Adam, where are you? Do you think God said that because He wondered where Adam was? Gee, Adam, where did He put Himself? I can't find Him. Well, God's all-knowing. He knew where Adam was. It's like when I play hide-and-seek with my granddaughter Stella. She's only two. She hides in plain sight. She'll hide behind a curtain when I see her feet. Sometimes the curtain is one of those see-through. She's standing there. Grandpa, find me. So I pretend I don't see her and I'll say, Stella, Stella, does anyone know where Stella is? That's her name, named after my grandmother. And she'll go, here I am, Grandpa, and she'll jump out. Then she'll go back to the same hiding place again. She hasn't learned how to be deceptive quite yet. That's what it was like when Adam was hiding from God. God knew where he was. He didn't say, Adam, where are you? Because he was unaware of his whereabouts. He said, where are you? Because he longed for communication with his son. Adam, where are you? Why have you done this? Why have you run from me? And that's the story before it's here. The father loved his son, but he released him. And the boy goes out and wasted all of his money on wild living. I bet when he hit town, he was one popular guy. He went to Vegas, and whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? You know, he got his ride pimped, and ran around with his posse, and had all the bling, and all the money, and all the girls. But as soon as the money ran out, his friends ran out with it. Reminds me of a story I heard of two guys that went out camping in the forest. And they heard a rustling in the bushes, and running toward them at full speed was a very large bear. One of the friends started to pull on his running shoes and his buddy said, do you think you can outrun that bear? He said, I don't need to outrun the bear. I just need to outrun you. (laughs) That's how a lot of friends are. When times get hard, they run out on you. If you have money, you have a lot of friends. You lose your money. Where did all your friends go? Does that happen to you? That's what happened to this boy. And he hit rock bottom. 
And he realized how ridiculous this all was. And suddenly it dawned on him, everything that he wanted in life was back home in his father's house. That house he couldn't get away from fast enough now is seen for what it really was all along. A place of security, a place of love, a place of comfort. So he decides he's going to go home again because he came to his senses. He finally wakes up and he smells the coffee and he's going to go home again. Maybe you've realize that. Maybe some of you have been prodigal sons and daughters. You know, you've been raised in the church. You've heard these things your whole life. And then one day you said, I don't want this anymore. I'm going to go out and live in the world and see what it has has to offer. Because there's so many hypocrites in the church. I wish I could tell you that this is a hypocrite-free church. But I know it isn't. Because I'm here. (laughs) And you're here. We're all flawed people. We all have our moments of hypocrisy. Probably ought to hang a sign around our neck that says, under construction. (laughs) But listen to me now. Jesus didn't say, follow my people. He said, follow me. Jesus will never be a hypocrite. He'll always be consistent. He'll always be faithful. But people will let you down. You need to just know that. Grow up, okay? But the church isn't a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. So let's cut each other a little slack and not be so quick to say they're a hypocrite and ask ourselves the question, am I a hypocrite? Because sometimes we just use that as an excuse to do bad things. So this boy finally came to his senses and he makes his way home. Meanwhile, here's dad sitting on the porch. You can just see it. Wondering if his son will ever return. Missing his son. Probably weeping for his son. And then in the distance, he sees a familiar figure making his way down the road to the home. Maybe the dad was sitting out on the porch in a rocking chair. Is that my boy? And he stands up and he squints to see, I think it's my boy. And the father begins to make his way toward the son. And then he walks a little bit faster. And soon he breaks into a run. And he's running. Now he's sprinting toward his son. Do you know it was considered undignified in that culture for older men to run? Older men just didn't run. Not to mention it's hard when you're an older man to run. (laughs) I used to be a pretty good runner when I was in high school, but when I run now, it just hurts. And runners will say to me, Greg, hang in there and wait for the release of the endorphins. It's like a natural high. I have never met an endorphin. Any, much less endorphins. I'll take an endorphin, singular. <laughs> if Jesus had not said it, I would not dare to suggest it. But Jesus portrays God as a father willing to lose his dignity who runs to get to a son. And he throws his arms around him. He doesn't stand 10 feet away and say, Boy, you stink. Where have you been? Don't forget his boy had been hanging out with the hogs. But he throws his arms around him. The boy starts his little speech he'd been practicing. Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me as a heart. Oh, cut that out. Bring out a ring. Put it on his finger. Kill the fatted calf. Put a robe on him. This, my son who is dead, is alive again. And he who was lost is found. And so they had a big old party. That's how God feels when we come to our senses and return to Him. Maybe you relate to someone in my story. Maybe you're like Charlene. You know, raised in the church. 
But you've gone out into this world trying to find answers. And all I have to ask you is, have you figured it out yet? Have you gotten sick and tired of being sick and tired yet? Have you discovered that this world promises a lot but delivers nothing? Have you seen the emptiness of it yet? Sadly for my mom, she threw most of her life away chasing after these things. But thankfully today, God in His grace, He forgave her and she has found what she was always looking for, joy and happiness and peace in the presence of God. Maybe you would relate to me. You know, you've chased after these things. You haven't really known about God. You've been raised without faith. And maybe this is your first time to be in a church in a long time. In fact, for some of you, this might be your first time to ever even be in a church. This is all new to you. That's how it was for me when I first heard the gospel message of who Jesus was. Maybe you really like, relate to my father, Oscar. You're educated. You're cultured. You're moral. You're good. But you still need Jesus. Everybody does. He's there for the down and outer and He's there for the up and outer because whether you're down and out or up and out, you're still out. But Jesus says, come on in and I'll forgive you. You say, well, Greg, you've given me something to think about. Maybe down the road I'll get to this. Uh, I wouldn't put this off. You know, I think about my son, 33 years old. Who would have ever thought such a young man. But the good news is he was ready. That's why we all want to be ready and not put these things off because the Bible says life is like a vapor of smoke that appears for a moment and vanishes away. The Bible describes our life like a story that's already been told. I don't care if you live to be nine or 90. Life goes by rapidly and you don't want to miss an opportunity to get right with God. There might be some of you here that have joined us that don't know Jesus in a personal way. And I want you to know you can tonight because 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came to this earth and He was born as a little baby in the manger in Bethlehem. Then He lived a perfect life and at the age of 33 went to a cross and died for the sin of the world and rose again bodily from the dead. And now He stands at the door of every human heart and He says, I stand at the door and knock and if you'll hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. Jesus Christ can come into your life right now and forgive you of every sin you've ever committed and remove your guilt and give you a new start in life. But maybe you've fallen away from the Lord. God says, return you backsliding children and I will heal you, says the Lord. He's calling you back home again tonight. And I want to do that for you because maybe you need God's help. You're a lost boy, you're a lost girl or you're someone that is straight and you need to come back. So we're going to close now with a prayer and I'm going to invite you if you need to to make a commitment or recommitment to Jesus Christ because folks, before we know it, will be on the other side in eternity. And according to the Bible, there's only two destinations. Heaven or hell. God longs for you to be with Him in heaven. He poured His judgment on His Son who died in your place so you could be with Him in heaven. But if you reject His gracious offer of forgiveness and end up in hell in that final day, You'll have no one to blame but yourself, quite honestly. As C.S. Lewis once said, the gates of hell are locked from the inside. 
It's a choice we really make. But God will change your eternal address tonight from hell to heaven if you'll believe in Jesus. And if you're a prodigal, He'll welcome you back just like the Father in our story welcomed His Son. So if you need to respond to this invitation, do it now. Let's all bow our heads for a prayer if you would. Father, I pray for everybody in this room, everybody listening to this message, Lord. Help them to understand the words that we've shared are true. Help them to understand that eternity is on the line here. Help them to come to you or come back to you. Whatever their need may be, we pray in Jesus' name. While our heads are still bowed and our eyes are closed, How many of you would say tonight, Greg, I want my sin forgiven. I want to know that when I die, I will go to heaven. I want this void of my life filled. I want my guilt taken away. I want a new start in life. Pray for me. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. If that's your desire, if you want Jesus Christ to come into your life and forgive you of your sin, would you lift your hand up wherever you're sitting? And I'll pray for you tonight. God bless you. Just lift your hand up if you would. God bless each one of you. God bless. Over here on the side, lift your hand up if you want to make this commitment to Christ. God bless you over there. God bless all of you there. Yes, God bless you, sir. How about up in that balcony there? You need to make a commitment to Christ. You want His forgiveness tonight. Lift your hand up. And I'll pray for you. God bless you up there in that balcony. Anybody else? If you haven't lifted your hand yet, lift it now. If you want... Christ to come into your life and you want to go to heaven when you die. I'll pray for you tonight. God bless you, all of you. Well, our heads are still bowed. Maybe some of you would say, I've been a prodigal son or daughter, but I'm ready to come home again. I'm ready to return to the Lord tonight. Pray for me. If that's your desire, if you want to come back to Christ, lift your hand up. And I'll pray for you tonight. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless. God bless each one of you. God bless you and you, yes. God bless all of you. Father, you've seen each one here. You know them, you love them, and you're calling them to yourself tonight. Help them to come to you. Now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, everyone that Jesus calls, he calls openly and publicly. Jesus said, if you will acknowledge me before people, I'll acknowledge you before my Father and the angels in heaven. But he also said, if you deny me before people, I'll deny you before my Father and the angels in heaven. That's why I'm going to ask all of you that just lifted your hand with me during that moment of prayer, where you're saying you want Christ to come into your life, you're saying you want to come back to the Lord, I'm going to ask it in a moment when Marty plays this song, that you would get up out of your seat and walk down these aisles and stand up here in the front. And when you get here, I'm going to lead you in a prayer of commitment to Christ. Maybe you did not lift your hand, but you want Jesus to come into your life. You come. Or if you did lift your hand, you want to make this commitment or recommitment to Jesus, you come. So if you want your sin forgiven, if you want to know that you'll go to heaven when you die, if you want your guilt taken away, or you've fallen away from the Lord and you want to come back to Him now, get up out of your seat, step into the aisle, walk down here to the front, And I'll lead you in a prayer when you get here. Get up and start coming. Come on. People have asked me, Greg, with this happening with your son, are you mad at God? Because I know a lot of people will say, I'm mad at God. Life didn't turn out the way I expected it to go. 
my parents divorced or someone close to me died or I didn't get that job or that whatever. So I'm mad at God. Well, I'm not mad at God. How could I be mad at a God who forgave me of all of my sin and forgave my son of all of his sins and holds him safely in his arms tonight? Don't don't stand behind the I'm mad at God. Get over yourself. Okay? Get over yourself. Listen, God could be mad at you and me for all the wrongs we've done. But He poured His wrath on Jesus because He loves us so much. He was willing to sacrifice His Son. As Marty was singing, it's the love of God. Here for you, here for me. The love of God. I'm going to ask Marty to sing this through one last time. And if there's anybody else that God's tugging on your heart right now, you come and join these folks that are here. And we'll have a prayer together. So in this final moment, anybody else, you want to make this commitment or recommitment to Christ, you get up and come as Marty sings one last time. Now you that have come forward, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to ask that you would pray this prayer out loud after me. This is a prayer where you're asking Christ to come into your life. And the Bible says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So in this prayer, you're doing just that. If you're listening by radio right now or on the internet, you pray this prayer too. And God will hear you wherever you are. So as I pray, pray this after me if you would. Let's all bow our heads and pray this after me. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. But you died on the cross and shed your blood for every sin I have ever committed. I turn from that sin now and I ask you to come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my friend. I choose to follow you, Jesus, from this moment forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. If you would like more information about what you've heard in this message or about Calvary of Albuquerque, please visit our website at www.calvaryabq.org. If you have made a decision to follow Christ or would like someone to pray for you, please leave a message with our prayer watch line at 505-344-3658. Thank you and God bless.